Life is a journey from one place to the next, always in continual motion. Some seasons are filled with awe and wonder, while some are filled with hardship and pain, each step more difficult than the last. Still, the journey doesn't end. It's always moving forward. You find strength in your feet striking the pavement, one step at a time, as you become closer and closer to your destination. All the while being guided by this still, soft voice that says, keep going, we're getting closer, you're almost there. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? Y'all excited? Y'all excited? What an awesome day already, right? It's already been good, man. God has filled this place today. He is faithful to, uh, we gather in his name, man, he is there with us. What a big day today, right? What an awesome big day. Um, Do I look nervous, though? Do I look nervous? Answer the question. Dang, I thought, I was hoping I was hiding it. Obviously not, because they said yeah. So, um, yeah, it's an awesome day, man. It's going to be a good day, and I can't wait to... Uh, see the baptisms take place. I can't wait to see uh, the groundbreaking. It may be more like um, mud scooping than groundbreaking, but it's going to be awesome. And uh, it's going to be a good time. But I'm especially excited to see what God does uh, through the rest of our time together in here, um, because I believe he has something special for us um, today. Uh, If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Joshua chapter three. We're actually starting a new series today. The name of the series is called Taking Ground. And, And where this really came from is I was thinking through uh, the next few weeks and months, I, I wanted us to be clear that we're not called just to be breaking ground to build a building. God created this church. He created us for this time so that we would take new ground for the kingdom. And as I began to pray through that, God put the book of Joshua in my heart because the book of Joshua is all about the Israelites, um, God's chosen people that he chose to bring the, the lineage of Jesus through. It was all about them taking new ground. And so I want us over the next few weeks to be looking at what God did in and through them and seeing what we can learn about what God wants to do in and through us um, as we take our next steps, right? We talk a lot about those. Um, as we take our next steps in taking ground for his kingdom. And so Joshua chapter three, um, we're going to be there. We're going to go through this chapter today um, and look at how we do this. How do we take our next steps? How do we keep moving towards God? Because we talk about next steps a lot in this church. We talked about them some last week. We talk about next steps, but it's really important because taking our next steps spiritually, it doesn't always mean we take a step physically, right? But taking our next steps is how we walk with Jesus. It's how we follow God. We walk Walk and we follow behind him as he leads us. And so it's a very important thing that we take our next steps. Um, as we get into the book of Josh, I do want to set it up for you real quick. Um, we're about to read about the Israelites. Um, if you go back and you begin and reading in Genesis, you see that God selected this group of people. Um, and through uh, Abraham, who was the first one, he comes to uh, and makes this covenant with him. Um, he tells him that um, through his seed, through his offspring, through his child, the whole world would be blessed. It was a foreshadowing of Jesus coming into the world. And we see that go all the way through. Um, but the Israelites, through uh, some other events, ended up enslaved in Egypt and God heard their cry. They began to call out to God and God delivered them out of Egypt. You remember that when Moses delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, he brings them out and you remember they crossed over the Red Sea. God parted the sea and they walked across um, in, 
into uh, and, um, freedom, right? They got away from uh, Pharaoh. And so where we're picking up, if you remember, Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land, into Canaan, but only two came back and said, yeah, we can take that land. The others are like, well, those people are big. They're bigger than us. We can't do it. And so because they decided not to be obedient to God, taking their next steps and going into the promised land, none of that generation over probably about the age of 20 were able to go into the promised land where we're picking up all that generation has basically died as they wandered around in the desert for about 38 years. They're all dead now. And so they're about to go into the promised land. Um, two of the spies that said, yeah, let's go take Take the land, God will give it to us, were Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua here, the one we're about to read about, right? And so they are at this point, this this great um, anticipated moment where they're about to go into the promised land, this land promised to them by God so many years before. And so I want to pray for us. We're going to jump in here. We're going to get going. I believe God has some incredible things he wants to do in this place today. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for incredible worship, God, that we can come to you and worship you, that your presence is here, that you are so faithful, that we're two more gathered in your name, Lord, you are there. We're here gathered um, in your name and and for your purposes, Lord. And I ask that you would um, just send your spirit, the Holy Spirit, your spirit, God, to move amongst us, just to continue to move in our hearts, open our hearts to receive your word and may your word, God, that good seed of your word grow deeply in our heart and produce incredible fruit in our lives for your glory, for your kingdom as we take ground for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How many of you remember, I know this will be a stretch for some of us, but how many of you remember when you were a child, okay, first of all, we got to get to that, all right, so kind of roll it back, get to when you were a child. How many of you remember when you were a child, how long it took for special events to get there, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, how long did it take for your birthday to finally get there? Like my kids, we'll celebrate their birthday and two months later, they're like, is my birthday soon? I'm like, no son, it's like 10 months. Oh my gosh, right? Or, or, um, or a vacation. You're like, it's never gonna get here. It seemed like two days lasted forever. Uh, um, or Christmas, oh my, you, by, by October, you're like, is Christmas coming? You walk into the Walmart, they got the Christmas lights up and all that in like July. And you're like, it's gotta be here soon, right? You no, know, it seems like it took forever. And as a child, it just seemed like it took forever for those events to get there. Th- those big events, those, those things you couldn't wait to see, those things you couldn't wait to experience, it just seemed like it took forever. How about now as you're an adult, right? Does it not just fly by? Like you see Christmas lights in Walmart now and you're like, I haven't paid for the last Christmas, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh, we got to start paying a little more on this. You know, you start putting things on layaway, praying, Jesus, please, you know, help come back so we don't have to do this again, right? (laughs) And, And just deliver us from evil, which is known as the secular Christmas season, right? And shopping, Black Friday, right? And so, so it comes so quickly, but when we read about these Israelites in this chapter, man, they are about to do something that they've been waiting for, for years. Many of the people who are going to cross over into the promised land, they've been waiting some of them for, you know, as much as 38 years. Listen, Joshua and Caleb had been waiting for about 80 years by the time they get to go into the promised land. If you go all the way back to the beginning, when God promised Abraham that he would give him this land, you're talking about over 500 years that they had been waiting. And so now this time finally comes. Do you think they might be a little excited? 
But do you think they also might be a little nervous, right? Because anytime we go into something that we don't know a whole lot about it, it's nervous. We get nervous. Anytime we have to take a next step and we don't really know the next step after that, we get nervous. We get a little anxious. We, We can even get fearful, right? And so we need to understand where they're at. They're about to do something huge. This is monumental. This is something that God promised. And and now they're about to see the faithfulness of God. But the thing is, in order to do that, they've got to take their next steps. They've got to be willing to follow God. And that's what we're going to read about. If you look there in Joshua chapter three, verse one, it says early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim. Got to be careful how you say that one. And went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. So they're camping right next to the Jordan, the river they're eventually going to cross. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. And listen to what he says. He says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, Ark of the Covenant, it's important, of the Lord your God, and the priests, that's important, who are Levites carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. So the first thing I want to draw your attention to is he says, listen, I want you guys to be aware when the Ark of the Covenant comes by, these priests are carrying this Ark of the Covenant, they would carry it on poles. When they're carrying this Ark of the Covenant, I want you to move out. I want you to begin to follow them. And it's important that we understand this because there are nine different times that the Ark of the Covenant is mentioned in Joshua chapter three. Why is that so important? The reason it's so important is because it symbolized God's presence. It was a lot like the temple um, when we were going through the book of Haggai. It was, it was not just a, a building. It was symbolic of God being at the center of their lives. This, this Ark of the Covenant was symbolic of God's presence among them. And, and if you look at it, all but one time, they call it the Ark of the Covenant. Only once they do they call it the Ark. Because, you know, like we in the South, we try to shorten everything, right? And, and we just kind of, you know, put an apostrophe and sh- put words together. It doesn't matter how many. And so we would have just been like, well, when they come by with an ark, what we're going to do is put our mud boots on. You know what I'm saying? We do something like that and, and we shorten it. But they say the ark of the covenant, eight of the nine times that you see it mentioned in this chapter. And it's important because it's important that we remember that God has made a covenant with us. And this was going to be huge for them. If they were going to go and do and take their next steps and do what God called them to do, they needed to know that God's presence was with them. And this covenant that God made with them, a covenant is an agreement between two people. This covenant God had made with them was a a promise that he was going to be their God, that they would be his people, that he would never leave them nor forsake them, that he was going to give them this land, that they were his people. And they needed to remember this. And so over and over and over again, we see this. The Ark of the Covenant went. The Ark of the Covenant went. It wasn't just something to, to, to just show the way. Although that's part of it, it was something to remind them, God is leading you. God is with you. Follow him. The Bible says that their instructions were exactly that, that when the ark comes by, that they were to move out of their positions and to follow it. In order to follow something, what do we have to do? Get behind it. But what? You got to walk. Like you you could just fall forward, but it's not going to get you very far, right? If we're going to follow something, we have to walk. We have to take a step. And if the Israelites were going to inherit what God wanted them to to do, if they were going to fulfill the potential that God had placed in them, they had to walk. They had to step. In Christianity, we hear a lot of talk about disciples, but sometimes we really don't know what that means. See, a disciple was one who would follow a rabbi in in, um, Jewish tradition. Jewish rabbis would would, uh, actually have people come to them and say, can I follow you? 
And it was basically them saying, can I be your disciple? And once they became a disciple, they just began to follow them all around. They surrendered completely to their teaching and to their um, interpretation of scripture. And they began to follow them. A lot of times they wouldn't even leave them because they were afraid they might miss something. A disciple is really one that begins to learn, begins to walk, that begins to follow another person. And as disciples of Jesus, that's what we do. We take our next steps and we follow him. And we just begin to do what he's leading us to do. And so we see in this first verse that God's made a covenant with us that we can know him and we're called to follow him. We're called to walk behind him. And as the, co- the ark of the covenant begins to lead, these Israelites were called to get behind and follow the leading of God. Verse four, he says, then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. He says, but keep a safe distance. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. See, here's the thing I want you to see in this. As the ark comes by, it's literally God showing us the way to go. He's showing them the way to walk, right? And when we realize that we're in a covenant relationship with God through Jesus, if we've come to faith in him, that God is leading us, then our job is simply to walk. I had a conversation with somebody, a couple of people actually, this week. And they're like, you know, one of the things that as I've been praying that God put on my heart for you is just to remind you that you don't have to make this happen. All you've got to do is be obedient to what God's telling you. And see, that's all we're really called to do is when God begins to lead us, that we begin to step, that we begin to walk in obedience. Joshua told the people in verse 5, Consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things above you. This is a quick point about that. Listen, consecrate means to set apart, to dedicate, to devote wholly to something. What I want you to understand is if God's going to do amazing things in you, if God's going to do amazing things through you, then we come to a point where we devote our lives to him wholly. As one that follows, as one that, as one that by receiving his invitation of salvation and a relationship with him, he begins to lead us and guide us. He begins to teach us, transform us, and we walk with him, consecrated, made holy, set apart, devoted to the teaching and to the way of Jesus. Verse six, Joshua said to the priest, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. So they're beginning to move. Like This is building. We read the Bible so many times in black and white. But if you can close your eyes and put yourself in this position, man, this is real, right? This could be a movie. Like they are about to walk to this river, which you're going to see in a minute is the Jordan River. It's, it's during the time of harvest, which means this is a river that is probably eight to ten feet deeper than it normally is. It's, it's, it's turbulent. It's, it's going hard. I mean, it's moving, right? It wouldn't be just like, you know, the Geechee River in July when it hasn't rained in two months, right? You just kind of walk across. It's, no, no, this would have been a big deal. So this is building. So here they go. They begin to move, the priests begin to move. And it says, and the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I'm with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters to go and stand in the river. And so he's given them these instructions on what to do. But it's awesome to me that in verse 7, he tells, the Lord tells Joshua, today I'm going to begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I'm with you as I, that, as I was with Moses. Is this to elevate Joshua just to elevate Joshua? No. 
It's so that they can see that the same God, listen, the same God who parted the Red Sea, the same God who delivered them out of Egypt, the same God that has spoken to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was the same God that was still leading them because he was in a covenant relationship with them. And it was the same God that was going to take them across the Jordan. And that God that's going to take them across the Jordan is the same God who's going to defeat all their enemies on the other side of the Jordan and give them the entire land. And what we need to realize is the same God that took them into um, Canaan, that gave them the promised land, that parted a sea and a river and gave them the land he promised to him is the same God that sent Jesus who gave his life for us, died on a cross, was buried, three days later came out. God raised him to life through the resurrection power of, of, of that he has, right? And then he gave us life through that same power. And so the same God that did all of that is the same God that's leading us forward both individually and as a body, as the church so that we can take our next steps so that we can overcome the obstacles that face us. It's the same God that's moving in our lives. It's the same God. He never changes. So here's the great news, guys. When we take our next steps, we walk in his presence. When we walk in his presence, we walk in his power. When we walk in his presence and power and they're working in our lives, we can have confidence to keep moving. See, some of us are up against obstacles that just seem too overwhelming. Some of us are up against things that we just don't understand. But God tells us that his ways are higher than our ways, that we're not always going to know. The Bible says that his word is a, a, a light onto our path, a lamp onto our feet. But how much light does a lamp put out? Well, it depends on how big of a lamp you have. But here's the point. You can't see a long ways off with a lamp. You can just see your next step. What I want you to know is this. If you'll listen to God and do what he says, if you'll just follow his voice and trust in him, which is easier said than done, believe me, I know that God will show you the next step. And he'll be faithful to get you through the obstacle. He never promised that he'd deliver us from the fire, but he did promise that he would get us through it. And here's what we're called to do is just to begin to walk and to step. I love this part. He tells the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. First of all, I'd have been like, say what? You want me to take this box on some poles and go stand in the middle of this river so I can get washed downstream, right? But he tells the priest, listen, take this box that's symbolic of the, the presence of God among us. That's symbolic of his sovereignty, his power, the symbolic of his justice and his mercy, the symbolic of all the attributes of this powerful God who's going to deliver us. Take this box, take this on the poles and you begin to walk. And I thought about this. They were literally carrying the symbolic presence of God. But now let me ask you this. These were the priests, right? But now who are the priests? Who's the priest today? You are. If you're in Christ, you're the priest. Like we think about a priest, we think about a dude in a black like shirt and a little white collar, right? Or we think about the pastor, certainly he's the priest. No, when you come to faith in Christ, listen, you become a part of what the Bible calls a royal priesthood. It's what the church calls the priesthood of all believers. You become a priest. And listen to how awesome this is. Not only do you become a priest, but you become a carrier of the presence of God. But it's so much better than carrying something symbolic that tells us about the presence of God. We carry the presence of God in us as believers and as people who are called to take new ground for God. What an awesome thing that as we face our obstacles, as we face our own Jordan River, that we don't go alone, but we go with the presence of God in us. I don't know if that means a lot to you, but it means a whole lot to me, especially on days like today when we're about to take a big step, right? 
To know that the presence of God is not only with me, but he's in me to strengthen me, to empower me, to give me an ability that's greater than myself, to endure all things, to keep walking when things don't seem right. We just keep moving forward and he just does what he does because he is God and I am not. And if we'll just keep taking those steps, see one little step leads when you start adding them together, they cover a lot of ground. And if we'll just be obedient and we'll keep walking. Verse 9, Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. See, we, we just simply have to listen to God and do what he says. How it all turns out and what it looks like, man, that's, that's not up to us. What is up to us is being obedient to what God calls us to. It's being obedient to walk and follow his voice. Verse 10, This is how you will know that the living God is among you. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you. Would this not be good news, right? Listen, that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. And yes, I did pronounce every one of those correctly. (laughs) Say it with confidence. Nobody knows, right? This is such good news for them. Because they know they're going to face these huge people, right? When they get on the other side of the Jordan. And so this is great news. The things that we need to realize is that when we keep walking, listen, it doesn't mean it's always easy. Doesn't mean it's always uh, just, you know, like eating filet mignon, right? Sometimes it's just eating spinach. We just keep walking. Knowing that God's got something good for us. And we keep moving and we keep walking. And then as we walk by faith, as God begins to move in our lives, we see the reality of God in our lives. And not only do we see the reality of God, but other people begin to see the reality of God. And listen, God uses us to become his trophies of grace so that other people can come to the knowledge of him and see the reality of his power that saves us. That's incredible. I mean, listen, you, a sinner, yes, all the things you've done, when we receive salvation, we receive the righteousness of Christ by faith, we say yes to his invitation, we become a trophy of his grace, now empowered with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead so that we can fulfill all the purposes that God created us for. What an incredible thing that we demonstrate God's power when we simply keep walking. Verse 11, see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. So God's going to go ahead of them. Listen, we already talked about God showing them the way, right? They were to stay back. Watch. He's going to show you the way. You've never been this way before. You know, this church is called to take new ground. We're not called to go and just go to places where there's already light. We're called to take new ground. And he tells them here, listen, he's going to go before you. He's going to go in the river before you. Isn't it awesome to know that wherever you go, God's already there. Isn't it awesome to know that because of the covenant he's made with you, that not only is he already there, but he's for you. And just by giving you his grace, he's put his favor on you. It's incredibly encouraging. And it says that he goes in the river before them. And here's the awesome thing about that. God not only goes in before us to show us the way, he goes before us to make a way. He goes before us to clear the way. And so God is leading them in, not just to show them the way, but to make a way. That's important to remember when we read these next three verses. Verse 12. 
Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. That'll be important next week. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, listen, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap because that happens all the time, right? I mean, I just can't imagine these guys hearing that and going, okay, right? And so he's telling them something extraordinary. He's telling them something only God could do. Verse 14, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Can you picture this? And I talked about it a little bit earlier. But when those priests come by, you've got your, you got your family. You're all gathered up, all your friends, everybody's ready. You know, you got your tent on your shoulder or whatever you brought with you, right? And, and, and this Ark comes by and it gets so far ahead. And then you're like, I guess it's go time. And you start walking. But in the back of your mind, you're knowing like those priests go downstream. I'm going the other way, right? And so you start walking. How anxious would you feel? Like, is God really going to do this? This is a little bit too hard to believe, right? That God can actually do this. I mean, I know he's promised all this stuff, but can God really do this? This seems almost impossible. And there had to be anxiety. We know that Joshua, at least at some point in the beginning of this, had fear because in chapter one, God tells him three times, be strong and courageous. Like if somebody doesn't have any fear and they're just being courageous, you don't tell them be strong and courageous three times, do you? And so he tells us here, this is a big deal. And us taking our next steps many times is a big deal. It's a big deal for us to be able to follow God. What a great privilege, but it's not always easy, but we just by faith take that next step. And we keep walking and we keep going, trusting that God is going to lead us where we need to go. Trusting that God's way, listen, this is important. God's way is always best, even when it doesn't seem best to us. Even when it doesn't make sense. You sit here today because people did something that didn't make sense. You sit here today because people who love Jesus and love seeing other people meet Jesus are willing to put on blue shirts and orange shirts and stand out in a parking lot when it's 900 degrees, right? And and, and say, come on in, right? And people that will shake your hand and say hello. See, see, here's the thing I want you to see as carriers of the power of God church, Connection Church, those of you who, who this is your church, I want you to understand as carriers of the power of God, God is parting the river for people to come through through you. And I'm so thankful for that. I can't tell you how much it blesses me. People have been working on out at the land all week getting this ready for you. People have been serving. People have been for over three years coming up here and setting things up so that other folks could meet Christ. You've had a worship team that gets here at 530 to set things up. And I look at this and I'm like, it's only by God. And I just see how God is moving and what God is doing. And here's the thing I know, listen, as individuals and as a church, if we'll just continue to take our next step, we might not know what the second step is or the fifth step or the tenth step, but this is what I know. God will guide our path. He will get us exactly where we're supposed to be and he will do amazing things among us. And that's what I know. The best is yet to come. But it doesn't mean that when we stand before God and we say, Lord, what next? And he tells us that we don't sometimes go say that again. It just means that we become obedient and we step 
and we keep walking and we keep trusting. And when the fear comes, we say, Lord, I know you're bigger than this obstacle. And when the doubt comes, people are like, that's amazing you never doubted. What? And when that comes, we just begin to trust. And when the anxiety comes, because this is what I can tell you. Even through the anxiety, the fear, the doubt that we, sometimes we have when God tells us to do something and we don't know whether we should step, he is still in control. And, and these Israelites were feeling this anxiety. They were feeling this, this, this huge climactic event that's about to take place. And when I was thinking about that this week, it made me think about November 18th, 2012. It's when we launched the one-in-one campaign. And I want you to watch this video from that day, from November 18th, 2012. And I hope that it will bless you the way it blessed me when I went back and looked at it this week. It says, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. But listen to this, because this is where we are, priest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan... And their feet touched the water's edge. The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. The Bible says in verse 15 that as soon as their feet touched the water, the river parted and the water ceased to flow. It goes on and says they all walked across on dry ground. The priests stood firm on dry ground. The fifth thing that we have in common with these priests and that God has called us to do is we, like these priests, are called to step into the river. We're called to step into the river. And see, here's the crazy thing. The river didn't part until they went into it. And as we've talked about a whole lot lately, God's called us to take our next step as a church. But this is what the Lord spoke to my heart. And this is where this entire series came from is when I read that verse, God spoke and he said, you just step. You just step. He said, you step into the river. I began to share my heart with our board, with our staff. Everybody's like, yeah. We've got to step. We've just got to step because the river oftentimes does not part until we go into it. And we have to trust that the Lord will do mighty and amazing things on our behalf. This is where my heart is for our church right now. Right now. And we're going to just step into the river. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. But I have amazing peace and amazing faith that God has got this. And that God is going to do some incredible things. And that his word is going to be true. And I love this verse in Joshua chapter 3. He says, this is how you will know that the living God is among you. That as we take our next step as a church, that we would look, and not only us, but the lost and the hurting would look and go, there's the reality of God. That the work he does would be the evidence of who he is and his power and his glory. And this is the thing that I would tell you. I'm willing to bet my life on Ephesians 3.20 that God does want to do and God will do exceedingly and abundantly more 
than I could think or imagine. Here's the reality. As we take our next step, he's going to have to. Because we can't do it on our own. But I am so jacked up. at the Not like messed up, like pumped up. I'm jacked up too, but I am so pumped up about the opportunity to see God move in a way that we can never take glory or credit and that he would receive all the glory for. I want you to understand, like, it's time for us to take our next step. And we're going to do that today. And you get to be a part of that because you didn't go to the Georgia, Georgia Southern game because you didn't have the money. And your family doesn't like you, so you didn't get invited to Thanksgiving dinner. But because of that, you get to be a part of this. You get to see it and we get to step into what God has called us to do. And my prayer is that as you watch this video we're about to show, that your hearts would be moved, that you'd be filled with expectancy, and that we would truly begin to live in faith that God desires to do amazing things. Check this out. Connection Church met for the first time. Twelve of us gathered here, huddled into this living room, as I shared what I believed God had put on my heart. We had no idea how to start a church. Susan and I just knew that the Lord told us to take our next step into the river to see if the waters parted. Susan asked me one night, how do you start a church? I told her, just cook some chili and we'll see what happens. At our first gathering, I was asked again, how do you start a church? I said, I think we're doing it. With the smell of chili in the air and butterflies in our stomach, we moved forward one step at a time. We had 12 people at the first meeting, and the next week we had 13. We'd already grown by 10%. As we sat around my living room those first two meetings, I tried to paint a picture of what it would look like to do simple church that was laser-focused on connecting unbelievers to God and believers to each other. We knew that we needed to preach the word, so the following Monday we would have our first worship service at the Hadijan Pine House. This would be the first of many next steps for Connection Church. This is where we moved to when we left my house. That Monday, I brought with me a borrowed projector, a screen, a laptop, and computer speakers. And this is how we had our first worship experience. It wasn't much, but God was just as evident then as He is today. We wanted to minister to children. That's always been a major focus for us. We don't believe that they are the future of the kingdom of God. We believe they are movers and shakers in the kingdom of God right now. So we set them up on this screened-in back porch the only other area that we could possibly use. However, it was the first of December and it was freezing. So I came out here one day with a roll of plastic and a staple gun and wrapped the entire porch in plastic. I tell you all of that to say that God had a plan. We began praying for a building that would allow us to meet more regularly. 
That night, someone approached me and said they thought they had a place for us. It was time for us to take our next step. This is where we ended up. We were allowed to use this building for the first year for free. That was a gift of $54,000. You think that was a confirmation? We called this building and still refer to it as the Blue Building. When we would invite people to church, we'd say, it's the little blue building behind Burger King. It always sounded more like we were setting up a drug deal than we were inviting them to church. When we first moved in, the place was a mess. It was originally a gym, then became a physical therapy clinic, and then it finally became a pawn shop. We started cleaning, patching walls, painting, and hanging sheetrock. We ended up knocking down all the walls and doubling our worship area. The problem? It was expensive, especially to a church operating on about $1,500 a week. We finally borrowed $20,000 to finish the project. It was a huge step of faith for us. Amazingly, seven days after we borrowed the money, we wrote a check to pay off the loan. People who saw the vision and whose hearts were moved by God stepped up. We ended up outgrowing this building. We went to three services and did everything we could, but we knew in the end we had to find another alternative. Once again, it was time for us to take our next step. As with almost everything we've ever done, our next move was the opposite of what most churches do. We went from a permanent location to a portable location here at Statesboro High School. I'll never forget the day when I stood up and announced that we were moving to the school. As I stood in front of about 400 people during that day at all of our services, announced with great excitement this move, it was silent. I found out that not everybody was excited about the move to the school as I was. I saw empty seats. They saw a school. It took a while to get used to, but we have seen God do some amazing things in this rented space. For example, on October 9th of last year, we watched 54 people get baptized after that day's service. All of the sacrifices so many have made, setting up and tearing down, seem small in light of people's eternity being changed. We've set up pipe and drape, we've rolled road cases, we've hauled set designs, we've put out flags, we've set up signs, we've swept and mopped floors for the little ones, and every bit of effort's been worth it. Since our first service here at SHS, we've seen over 43,000 people in all attend one of our worship services. Those aren't numbers, they're names. They're loved by God and have a soul that will spend eternity somewhere. In light of that, the effort we've put forth seems minimal. Just like every other step we've ever taken, God has given us a vision of where to go next. When God speaks, it is a mandate. The only options are to be obedient or disobedient. There is no in-between. Connection Church, it's time for us to take our next step. I'm in a field next to the new Sally's at our school, and in my hands are the plans for the future permanent building of Connection Church. This is going to be the site of our new campus. And just like was said in my living room many years ago, it will be a place where we connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other. This will be the location of our home base from which we transform a community one life at a time. It's going to be a light that shines brightly from the top of this hill throughout the world. 
The past few years, we've seen hundreds of people take their next steps. We've seen lives changed and hearts transformed. Ephesians 3.20 says God will do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine. We truly feel like the best is yet to come. Connection Church, this is our next step. watching a video on a video, but when I look back and I see that now, I am absolutely floored by God's faithfulness. Um, I had faith that it would happen, but I can honestly tell you it was only about a month ago that we really tangibly started seeing it. It wasn't easy, and there's there's been times that it's been been difficult. There's been times that we kind of wanted to throw our hands up in the air and go, Really? This is what I can tell you. God has been faithful. Today, when we go to do the groundbreaking, when you see people being baptized, man, God is faithful. He's done incredible things we could have never done on our own. He calls us to take next steps and to trust Him. So here's what I believe. I believe most people in here today, you know what your next step is. The question is, will you take it? Joshua Israelites, they took theirs and God did amazing things among them. For us, are we willing to trust him and take our next step? Are you willing to take that next step trusting that God is still doing amazing things? Everybody in here has something. For me, man, I was praying about it this week. I'm like, you know, I need to just take a next step. I just need to trust God. Spend more time listening to him. Just hearing his voice. Just being in his presence. I wonder what yours is. For some people in here today, there's there's no doubt in my mind that your next step is salvation. Your next step is to just say yes to the invitation that Jesus has given us. Righteousness by faith, salvation by faith. Just saying, yes, God, I need you in my life. For some of us, it may be serving. It may be taking the next step. God's going to put it on your heart to serve somewhere. Start serving. For some of us, it might be giving. Talking about trusting God, right? For some of us, it might be getting in a connect group. I don't know what your next step is. Some of them are probably in the church. Some of them are probably a part of of a connect group or serving. But some of them may be as simple as, or as complicated as ending a bad dating relationship. Some of them may be putting healthy boundaries in a dating relationship. Some of us, it might be dealing with some things in our family. For some, it might be putting healthy boundaries around us. Because we know that we're really close to making a terrible decision. For some of us, it might be investing in someone's life that you know who doesn't know Christ. For others, it's inviting them to church. For others, it's reaching out to someone with an addiction. For others, it's reaching out with some, to someone who's struggling with depression. For some, it's just as simple as walking away from some sin that God's been trying to remove from your life for a long, long time. What's your next step? What is it? What is God calling you to let go of? What is it that God's calling you to do? Some of you, listen, if you don't know Christ, then he's extended the invitation to you. He gave his life so that you could have life. He took your sin upon him and took your punishment so that you could live. So that you could be in this covenant relationship with God. 
And today it might just be simply receiving that. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. You say, I don't know this God in this way. I don't know this personal God that personally leads us and personally encourages us and personally gives us power and that wants to be a friend in my life. But I want to know this God. I want to be made right with God through Christ and his sacrifice. This is what I'm going to do. Today is a day of celebration. Every day should be a day of celebration with the Lord. But today is a special day. How much more special today to say yes to the invitation of Jesus. And so right now, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to count to three. And if you don't know him and you say today, he's moved in my heart and I want to know him. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I know that is bold. I know that is courageous. But this is what I know. If you'll take that first step, we'll help you take the next one. And God will lead you through the next one. Will you take that step today and say yes to the invitation of Jesus? So the count of three, today God's spoken to your heart and you say yes to him. I want you to stand to your feet. So here we go. One, two, three. Your heart's beating 100 miles an hour and you know it's you. Stand up. Amen. Amen. identify myself with Jesus. It's, it's, listen, it's not the water that saves us. Water doesn't save us. It's our faith in Christ that saves us. It's grace by faith alone, right? But it's us showing people tangibly what we've experienced spiritually. And when we come to that, it's literally saying, I want to go from death to life. I've come from death to life in Christ. And in Christ, I've been raised to a new life. So you go under the water, symbolizing the death. You come back up to new life. It symbolizes the cleansing of our sin that happened when we put our faith in Jesus. It's saying that he's given us this purity. That was his, his righteousness upon us. Just as a gift through our faith. It shows his lordship. It says, yes, I'm going to be your disciple. I am going to follow you, God, even when it's inconvenient. It won't be about my comfort. It'll be about your kingdom. And it's your statement, understand this, it's your statement of Jesus' Lordship. It's not your parents, it's not anybody else's. It's your statement that you have said yes to Jesus' offer. Kind of like what we did with salvations is at this time when I when I count to three, I want you to come forward. 
Today, you knew you were being baptized. You you come forward and we're going to celebrate you being baptized. Some of you who didn't know you were going to be baptized, you move. We've got clothes. We've got everything. We're going to take you right out these doors and take you to a locker room where you can change clothes. We'll get you to where you need to be. But we're going to celebrate this, man. People going from death to life. We are going to celebrate. So on the count of three, again, I want you to move. And we're going to clap and we're going to cheer and we might blow the roof off this place, but it don't matter. We won't be here but about nine more months anyway. All right. So on the count of three, one, two, three. You're getting next step is getting baptized today. You move. You come forward. step at a time. You take that one step. We're going to let you follow Billy and Kate and Caitlin and Miss Beth and Olivia. Um, Olivia's here. Listen, if you have a child today who wants to be baptized, we hadn't had a chance to meet with you. Olivia would love to talk with you and um, we'd love to be able to share our hearts about baptism with you. If you're a middle schooler, make sure you talk to your parents about your decision. You can come talk to us about it as well. But we want to be able to walk with that uh, or through, through this with you. Um, and do that. So here's the good news, guys. Jesus is alive. And Jesus still saves. And Jesus still leads us to take our next steps. And the best is yet to come. While they're changing, we're going to sing. And then we're going to go to the land. But listen, let's stand and let's sing this song. Um, we're, we're united. We're a body that, that's called to go together. To reach this world. To be a light in the darkness. And to make a difference in our community. Let's sing this to Jesus. Let's sing this out. Our prayer is the Holy Spirit will bind us together like never before and that we'll do incredible things for his kingdom. Let's worship him now.